Hello, I'm James Woodcock from pixelrefresh.com. And today, of course, I have my co-host, Tony Warner, one of the founders of Revolution Software. You may know that as a company for Broken Sword, Beneath a Steel Sky, Law of the Temptress, and others besides. Welcome again, Tony. Hello there. And also... A first visitor to the Game and Gadget podcast, I have with me Cole, who's from the website Retro. That's a lot of ours. The Retro website. You know, I have a conscious decision to make. I sometimes struggle with ours. So putting ours next to W's is one of the worst (laughs) things I can ever have. Nobody really notices until I have to say an R than a W. Retro 32 website. There we go. Just <laughs> we're not editing that out, folks. That's staying in, uh, which covers a lot of repairs and mods. But it's a lot of Amiga. One of your key menus is all about the Amiga, but it's also about other hardware as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the Game and Gadget podcast. No, thank you, thank you for and me. No problem at all. And the reason Carl is here, as much as anything, not only does he know quite a bit about these subjects, but uh, I have an Atari. 520 STFM, and one of the things I wanted to do with this beautiful computer was add uh, one of those sort of emulator drives. So it replaces the floppy disk drive, and it's called a GoTech, and you put that in instead, and you put in then a USB stick with disk images on it, and then you play from that instead, which is super convenient. And if you want to have a look at a wider library, that's also a perfect way of just pressing a button. You've got your image ready to go, the Atari loads it up, and you get to enjoy a whole new collection of games. Now, anyone in the retro scene knows, you know, these collectors who want to buy the cartridges or the discs of whatever format that wants to be, but it gets quite expensive very quickly. And the hardware isn't getting any cheaper either. Now, there are bargains still to be had. There's a couple of nice articles on pixelrefresh.com where I picked up an Electron for £20 and the Atari wasn't actually that much more. But they were in a bit of a state. They didn't look particularly nice, but a good scrub and a rinse and they looked great. And the Atari ST was just begging for me to try the collection that's available as a library. And that drive, that GoTech drive was the way to go. So, Cole, very kindly, uh, we're in discussions about the first one that was sent out. We had some slight issues with it. Cole had fantastic customer service, and that's always important with these things. Sent out a second one, no fuss. We got it all sorted, and I'm up and running. And it's this beautiful little GoTek drive with a little tiny OLED display in it. And then I can see the full file names of what's actually on the USB stick. Now, you can have it without that little OLED display, but then you have to use your memory because then you just get it's disk number one, two, three, four. And until it's loaded up, you don't really know what it is unless you've been super clever, created yourself a list. And I think there are little shortcut keyboard controls as well so you can see what's on there. But just having that little OLED display on the side is super convenient for just flicking through very quickly. So thank you for your customer support, Carl. It was top no, notch. No, that's cool. It's a pleasure. I say it's one of those things that sometimes things happen. It just uh, it's kind of how you deal with these things afterwards. And uh, there you go. Sometimes you just got to get these things working. But uh, but no, it's nice. I say I don't do a huge amount of um, Atari stuff. And um, I think the only reason I actually had that one is because I, I bought a, a bundle job lot that actually included a um, 
um, an ST. And the person that picked it up actually asked, did ask for a, a GoTech. So it was one of those things. Once you've done one, it's easy enough to uh, to knock another one out. But I do have one in the collection somewhere, but it, I think it was thrown down the stairs. Oh. In some kind of fit of rage or, or by some kind of Amiga owner. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't see the light of day. But so it's, no, it's nice to do things that aren't always Amiga. So, no, it's, um, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it um, worked out for you. Thanks, Carl. And... Tony, from the last podcast, we were having some great discussions about the Ambernet, which is a little portable gaming device uh, all the way from China, folks, uh, which comes with maybe some questionable content in terms of the ROM selection it comes with. Probably would raise a few eyebrows. Uh, Not necessarily the most legal thing to uh, be selling, but as it's China, they have a little bit more nuance of what is acceptable and what isn't. But if you ignore the ROM side of it and the actual hardware, uh, the £40 one for the original model, and then there's the new Plus version, which is a little bit more, I think it was about 56 to around £60, depending on the memory card configuration you go for, I think was an absolute steal. Tony was so impressed in the last podcast, he kind of said, oh, yes, I'm going to get one. I wasn't sure if he meant it, but I promise you, folks, as soon as that podcast finished and I sent him a link, he ordered one. And now he's got it one. It took ages to come, but yeah. Well, China, my friend, China. <laughs> yeah, it's like a month. But you know, I'm one of these people that that, that you get the once you get the tracking page, it's like you can't leave it alone. You know, it's, oh, you're one of these hit F five. I know it's three weeks away, but you know, it might have changed. It might have changed. Refresh, refresh, refresh. So three, three or four weeks of that. That was good. But it arrived. It did arrive. And yeah. now you've got it. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's cheap, isn't it? <laughs> well, cheap yes, all, yes. Cheap, cheap in all ways. Um, I'd rather, it, I'd rather it was slightly more money and slightly better sorted out. Um, you know, like I don't know. I, I found the uh, the flashing the image and that all that slightly, um, slightly uh, confusing and difficult, but and, and frightening. But um, I mean, I should be able to do that kind of thing. I mean, I did do it, but I think you pointed me in the right page. You know, when, you know when you got to look at a website and actually understand what instructions are? That's quite difficult for me, So, because I never read instructions. Yeah, so as a Chinese product, <laughs> the description of things isn't that great on the website too. So as it comes, it's actually works pretty darn well, it has to be said. And compared to the original model that came out, uh, you don't have to think about, oh, I need to install another operating system on there, because the one that comes with it, particularly if you select the second option on the screen, Tony, which it takes you straight into the proper emulator software. That is the way to go. So you could have quite managed pretty well on what it came with. However, like me, you like the latest and greatest firmware on there and all the latest software. So we had to go through the, the fun and, dare I say, hassle of getting it updated, which meant you're lucky, Tony. Because when I first did this, I had to download a you know, close to 64 gigabyte file, which was split up into multiple files. And that was the only way you could get the actual operating system update because you had to get the ROMs as well. So you had to get the right. whole thing. Now, at least, they've split it up into two. So you've got the operating system on one SD card, micro SD card that is, and the second one, which has the ROMs on. So when, now you've gone through the pain the next time, the download, instead of being the 64 gigabyte giant, you can just get the little operating system update. 
that's probably a good thing. I mean, the, the strange thing was that it all changed. It like it had a lot more games on the original one that came through the post, the original machine, and then it changed. You know, having having then updated it and done both, I got I got both discs because I bought two. Everyone told me to buy two new USB micro thingies. When it's saying everyone, folks, it means me. Uh, and Martin. Uh, oh, Martin as well. Oh, God, I'm glad he's been whispering in your ear as so, well. You, but you probably told him that, so it probably comes down to just... just, just not you. guilty, Governor. I think he was the one who told me, so I'm going to blame Martin because he's not here. <laughs> okay, so it all comes down to it all comes down to one person, whichever way you look at it. Anyway, so I went out and bought two new micro thingies and did it all afresh and proper like you're supposed to. But then I had a lot less games on the on the, on the the download even though it's came, it all came from ambonic presumably so i don't know i don't understand why that was but um but uh, anyway anyway it does work now so that's good have you got the original card still yeah, well probably yeah somewhere so that will have the original selection on there so you could in theory copy well uh well uh yeah i suppose i could i suppose i could if i knew what game i mean there's so many games i don't know what i'm missing like so you know there are, I think there are like most a million games it, and now yeah, there are yeah. like 750,000 games like which are the ones that are missing off the new download from the original one but I'm not going to play them all anyway I just I just thought it was odd that it changed you know well like, if you feel like you've lost out just go to the roms folder I think it's called copy and paste and then if it says it's already there apply to all ignore all and you're in I don't quite understand why why the original second rom disc didn't work with the updated OS anyway. Like, is it so? Is it so different that it won't read the original disc too? Seems a bit. Unusual, I think they've just rearranged things a bit. That's all. So I think in theory you could manage it, but it, again, it would take us to getting our head down, figuring it all out, and life's yeah. too short. <laughs> we just want to pick it up and enjoy the thing. So when I say it's cheap, this is what I mean. It's like. You, you know, we used to things like just just update themselves, right? Indeed. Yeah. And this is the irony is because this one actually connects to Wi-Fi. So you would hope that the firmware software, I should say, really, the software it operating does. system could update that way and it doesn't. But it does connect to Wi-Fi for, for no reason whatsoever. I think it's so it can connect to services where you can get retro achievements. Okay. Yeah, so if, you, if you're one <laughs> of those achievement hoarders, Tony, this is the way to do it. Uh, updating the discs was was the achievement. Okay, okay. But the reason, and by the way, to be fair to Martin, it was absolutely spot on advice because I know he watched this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, well, it well, is well, generally well, he's well, absolutely well. right. The S micro SD card that comes with it is probably going to be the cheapest of the cheap, given the price of the actual thing. So it's bound to fail at some point. So having a fresh, proper micro SD branded one makes sense. It's also quite good to have the originals still in the state that they were supplied. So exactly, that's good. It's quite good that they come on little things that you can just swap them out. Because like uh, other people are talking about putting garlic sauce on it, because that does other things better or something. It does on the original one. So you know, I'd buy some more discs for that, and then I could swap those in and out. We're going right down the rabbit hole here. (laughs) But (laughs) trust me, the original one, the original operating system was not very good at all. So when got this alternative garlic os came out everyone was like oh this is the way to go everyone should install garlic os to the point that ambonit actually started shipping it as an alternative os where you could just switch between the two but for the plus version we have if we install garlic os at least the last time i looked 
you lose a lot of the features, and I don't think it's taking full advantage of the GPU yet. So right. you lose rather than gaining. Yeah, yeah. So take it yeah. from me, Anbinic Plus users of the the version model number RG35XX. I don't remember that off the top of my head. I can tell you that for nothing. But if you've got the RG35XX Plus, when you boot up, just select the second option on your screen, and that is the way to go. Try it, so I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced any of this is better than just getting the original hardware working for the games you really want to play. Okay. £40 for the original one, £56-ish for the Plus. Now, let's talk about original hardware. Seeing as you bring it up, Tony, I brought my beautiful Atari 520 STFM, which I thought was very reasonable at around 60 quid, but it was mucky, really mucky. And they said the floppy disk drive didn't appear to be working. So I took a gamble. It came. And my goodness, it was lived up to the, it was really mucky. <laughs> the mucky, the photos didn't really do it justice. I managed to fix the floppy drive because like most floppy drives that fail, it's the little belt on it that's deteriorated because of its age. So it goes all Always. gooey and horrible and you have to get a little screwdriver carefully in there to remove the residue. And I know Carl knows what I'm talking about here. And then he's put a belt on and lo and behold, it worked again. And it worked so well, I replaced it with a Kotec drive. But there we go. That's another story. But the point is, I paid £60 for that. Then I purchased the GoTech drive, which, trust me, was, you know, it was around the original RG35XX price. Then I thought, oh, I need an RGB SCART cable because, you know, I don't want to plug in some... Who wants to get coaxial these days into, like, what would be the, like, the RF connector where we would have plugged it where your aerial would have gone? No, not really. And I don't have the money to buy one of the fancy monitors designed especially for it then we are talking a whole new territory of expense so i've got a rgb scar which i can plug into my crt tv my little 14 inch there or i can go into my ossc upscaler and plug into a computer monitor great but that's another cost that's probably another 25 30 quid for a good quality insulated all the bells or whistles dancing etc so that's another expense and then if anything fails, there's another expense. If there's a problem with the mouse, there's another expense. Because tr trust me, these things fail, uh, not overly regularly, but you t whenever you're buying one off eBay or you're looking on Facebook Marketplace or it's for a friend and family, these things, because of their age, they are a bit of a gamble. And but, even but with all the best intentions, there is going to be a problem at some point. But does the Ambonic even do the Atari ST? Well, I'm not sure if that's the best device to do the Atari ST because you'd want no. a keyboard. So, so you need an Atari ST. There well, you go. You, 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 what I'm saying is, Tony, this, you, you just want this good debate. What I'm saying is, you know, for Genesis, any console basically, that's up to about the Sony PlayStation 1 era, it will play really well. Beyond that, the plus version we've got can kind of play Dreamcast, depending on the game, fairly okay. Some better than others. Soul Calibur one's pretty sweet, I would say, at full resolution. I was going to say, if it's playing Dreamcast games, it'll easily play any uh, Atari ST game. Yes, but would you want to? Because there's going to be a point where you're going to. It says, press something on the keyboard, and then you go, right, where's my virtual keyboard? Yeah, no fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, I forgot about the keyboard and the mouse. 
And that's and that is the the distinction. Like you won't want to play Lemmings on that little thing where it wasn't designed for the D pad. You play the Mega Drive version of Lemmings or something like that. You would not play the Atari ST version. And that is actually one of the things I got more into the computer side just recently because I've although I've got a lot of the original hardware in terms of consoles, there's many emulators and things you can pick up. The dream would be to have a Mr. FPGA. And for a console, because you're just basically plugging in a, a gamepad, you know, generally it's going to be good enough and a really fantastic experience in terms of hardware emulation, if you want to attach emulation to FPGA in any sense. But for computers, there's always those unique keys it's got, and that's when it's going to get a little bit more complicated. So I didn't actually mind getting the computers. And they look nice. Yeah. So anyone There's who is no... watching the video, that's an Acorn Archimedes A3010 with its nice green keys, which I used to own back in the day. Sadly, got rid of it, and now got one again. Yeah. The, the circle of life. With certainly with me, with the hardware stuff failing and having to kind of make bits and bytes of bits, that's half the fun of it. I mean, I'd lost count of the machines that I've bought that have needed work. I bought a, an Amiga Four Thousand that cost me quite a, a sum of money and um once i'd got it all fixed up i recapped it there was some issues with it it literally has just sat there since and not really been used and say certainly for me it's yes it's great having them um but like as you say it's it's a lot of people expect to be able to pick up these old machines and just turn them on and go oh oh okay where do i now where do i connect them oh wait no my monitor doesn't support 15 hurts oh wait no i need this i need that so so i can see where a lot of the the kind of the the emulation that's available now problem is to me it just doesn't have that nostalgic feel it's this there's no there's nothing to feel there's nothing to touch yes you've got the games and i think also you can kind of be overwhelmed by the amount of games that are on there it's not like christmas day oh look i've got two mega drive games and you play the hell out of them mm-hmm. but these days it's like oh well i've got seven and a half thousand games just for one single platform and you're like Oh, okay, oh, I'll play this one for three minutes. Um, this, this isn't really what I expected. And then you go and play another one. Oh, wait, and let's go and play another one. And that's, to me, certainly, it kind of takes a shine off it. I would have to agree. I'd have to agree. But, I mean, you've, you've got the knowledge and the confidence, Carl, that you can think, I can take a bit of a punt on this. And when it arrives, if something doesn't work, you've got a good chance of getting well, it working again. Yes, Whereas, yeah. for me, I'm researching everything. Yeah. And, you know, I used to, one of my first jobs was actually doing PCB assembly. So that was lucky. So I, I know I've got some scoldering. Uh, I've got some soldering. I don't want to scold anyone. I've got soldering <laughs> skills. So like the resistors, the capacitors, the diodes, the chips, you know, I, I did that many years ago. So I'm quite confident with that, although I was a bit rusty until recently when I started picking it up again. But, you know, for a lot of people, they might think, oh, yeah, I'd love to buy a, I don't know, an Amiga A500. Great. I had one of those as a child. And then they get it home and think, yep. what do I plug it into? Where's the HDMI? Yeah. And then they realize. Yeah, it's a slippery yeah. slope. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, there was a colleague at work who acquired, because he'd had one many years ago and he wanted one again, a PlayStation 1. Completely forgetting the fact of, well, how do I plug it into my TV? Because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. all changed now. And it's, it's kind of a bit of a barrier to ownership as well. I've had, obviously, I sell kind of refurbished machines as well. And I'd say probably about 50% of the inquiries that I get, I'll say to the people, look, brilliant. Yeah, I could, 
this is this is what it is and and then say well you just remember you need something you need a way to connect it to a modern tv they're like oh what would you recommend i'm like you i'm like oh maybe an ossc or a gbs control and they're like oh how much are those i'm like yeah they're probably going to be about 100 quid like if you want a good experience out of it not kind of some jittery kind of like awful laggy bouncy scut hmi converter and um they're like Oh, okay. I said, well, to be honest with you, you're better off just to go and buy an Amiga Mini. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's, it's that thing. And I say, I think as these a lot of these machines get older and older, it, it's kind of restricting the ownership to them. Not not completely, but to more the people that already have the equipment that that can make use of them. Um, which is why I think that so many of the like the Ambernick stuff and like the the mini consoles are really starting to fly off the shelves. It's because it just makes it, yes, you've got that kind of nostalgic experience. They come with like an official feel, well, kind of an old school controller and things. So you get that slightly nostalgic hit when you play them um, but without the barrier. So they've got, you can fire them up with a with a USB-C uh, power adapter. You can connect them using HDMI. And that, unfortunately, I think that is going to be the future of, of retro computing isn't really retro computing, which is quite sad. And I say, Mister's, as you say, an FPGA emulation just gets expensive, even more expensive, even quicker. So there's a lot of wonder in having the real hardware. Yeah, there's a lot of cost, and as soon as you start adding it up, buying something like a Mister FPGA, which you know at first entry you think, you know, yeah. it's about probably 400 pounds of a decent yeah. setup with the add-ons or if you get the kits but you know if you do it in retro hardware i'm gonna buy i don't know a snes probably pick one of those up quite cheaply second hand but once you factor in everything else you're getting closer and closer to that mr fpga cost and it does so many systems so many so i, I ironically i said to somebody just before covid hit I shouldn't say the C word. YouTube will pick up on that. Uh, before the C word hit, um, that I was going to get a Mr. FPJ because that made financially so much sense. But then the C thing started, and then it was like, hmm, I've got all this time now. What should I do with this extra time I find myself with? I'm a little bit bored. I want to... and, and before I knew I was buying retro game consoles and loving every minute of it. And, yeah. Definitely more expensive than uh, Mr. FPJ if you add them up. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, like I've got a Nuno FPGA that I bought quite recently just just to see what it was any good. And I think the thing is, is that unless you kind of really know and understand the system and the kind of the limitations of of like software emulation, a normal person wouldn't know the difference between this and a Retroid Pocket Two or Two S actually. Um, which can do everything that, that this does for less than half the price. And I say, like the Ammonix, this will do emulation of pretty much anything, and it will even do PS2. Um, and this, what is that? It's, that? So that's the Retroid Pocket 2S. You know um, what to buy it, Tony. <laughs> that looks good. So they, oh, are, no. <laughs> they are lovely. Hold on. I have got, I've, I've got a little bit of a fascination with them. Uh, let's get another one. So we also have the Retro Pocket Three Plus, which is more of a sixteen by nine 
form factor in this kind of like beautiful almost looks like a switch yes well hold on as in the light yeah so if you let's have a look so obviously there's your switch and it's kind of oh yeah it's a nice just noise. like that and it's it's this is more about sorry i'm jumping around like an idiot it's this is that. it's more like oh, akin yes. to PSP. an original psp and i think that was the thing is that the, the actual screen resolution or the, the i think the screen resolution might be very similar but the aspect ratio between the two is pretty much perfect um uh, let's say this runs um, Android, so you can literally just do what you want. It's just that there's some nice kind of like skins that come with it um, from the factory, and then you can just load it full of ROMs um, and, and just really make it your own. But this will do certainly. The, the, I think they've just released a version four of it because um, there's a lot of PS2 that this will do. Um, and I'll say PS2 historically has been a bit of a of a difficult one for a lot of small kind of um emulation devices but yeah the new one will do um will do ps2 i think most of it um but yeah certainly for like psp emulation this is absolutely fantastic because i say it's already it's already got the aspect ratios so obviously the ps uh, the psp is kind of like widescreen and stuff so yeah these are really good but again another slippery slope for you to uh, to go down i think there are i think this was a nearly touching the 200 pound mark though so a bit kind of a bit more than the Ambernick. Um, but to me, oh, there you go, look. Um, to me, it's a much, much, much better experience than some of like the, um, is it the MiU Minis? Is it MiU? I can't remember what the... Something like that, yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's more like that Game Boy. Um, uh, Which is the one factor. I recommended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the MiU. Mean, it was yeah. the, well, it's the Ambernick one. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're great, but I mean, I think for me, certainly, you've got with, especially with the flexibility of it having um, Android, you've got then the option to look at um, kind of a, quite a number of games from the Play Store, um, but then essentially you can just load it up with as many as many um, emulators and things as you want. Um, and certainly for me with um, uh, the key thing was um, having access to... Um, Amiga Game Selector, which is AGS, which is a. Um, uh, let's see if I can put it up, actually. Um, While you do that, Carl, uh, the reason me and Martin were quite intrigued by the Ambernet was it reminded us of that, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. It was that form factor. And also, it had a four by three screen. And of course, if you ignore the PSP for a minute, most retro stuff was always the four by three format. Yeah. You could carry it anywhere, you plug your headphones in, and it was just a nice portable device. What you're suggesting goes above and beyond that. So you've got a nice widescreen display. What the Ambernet hasn't got is an analog stick in any way, shape, or form, which is a bit unusual given it now supports yeah, Dreamcast, true. which is one analog stick. So at least one analog stick might have been nice, but it's room on the thing. But, you know, for the vast majority of stuff, it's a really nice... I mean, Tony, if you ignore the fun you've had with files and updates, in terms of the hardware, like the screen and the buttons and everything, how do you find it? It's all right. The screen's good. Uh, I had, I mean, as, as you know, part of the reason that I, I wanted all, to do all this was to, um, was to play Ridge Racer on the PS1. 
uh, and, I, and I did actually get it running uh, and it's a little bit it's actually a bit fiddly so I've kind of abandoned that idea I'm gonna I've got my ps1 working again with a 15 quid HDMI lead which appears to work uh, it's now running on the TV so um, that's how I'm gonna play that because the it's, it's just not the it's just not the device for the for, for that particular game I think I mean, I mean, I'm I'm using it for mainly just like a bit of research. You know, I look at a lot of old games just just to see how, how they did certain things. So, it, as opposed to playing hours and hours on a particular thing, I just occasionally go, oh yeah, I should look at that. And and, and it's just part of the way I I research stuff. I, I'll read I'll read about a particular game that no one's thought about for twenty years or something. And if I can boot it up on something and, and have a quick little play on it, it's quite quite interesting for me so that's probably mostly what i'll do on it um it really is just a pick up and play device it's too small for longer gaming sessions for sure yeah yeah uh so game boy might be the might be the thing actually the sweet spot for that for that for that device i think um but actually james i was going to ask you can i can i run linux games on it because in theory i should be able to shouldn't i uh i don't know I think we spoke about this briefly in the last podcast, and I have not—I've not gone that far with it. That's another rabbit hole for another day, definitely. Were you hinting that you could run um, Scum VM on it? That is possible, absolutely. But that's because there's a package for Scum VM, right? But it must be a Linux. I've, one. I'm trying to think what the the name of the software is. At Retroarch. Okay. Yeah. So that's on there. So basically, anything that could possibly run under that, you could potentially get in there so scum vm you could get on it because retroarch has it so as long as it's got the required files it should run absolutely fine although just as a little drop before carl goes into his explanation of what he wanted to do i'll be very quick carl scum vm is now available officially on the apple app store now for years and years and years you would have had to have jailbroken your device to get scum vm on there now it's actually on the App Store, which is fantastic news. And I've tried it on my iPad and playing Broken Sword on how the you, iPad is beautiful using Scum VM. How do you get the games into it? Ah, <laughs> I've written a guide <laughs> on pixelrefresh.com. Sorry, it's coming more like an advertisement. Basically, in a nutshell, there's a web interface. So you, you put in basically the IP of your iPad which you can find from the ScumVM app. And then it brings up this nice little web interface. And from there, you can drag and drop your files in. Wow. That, that seems very un-Apple. It does. It sounds like, I, I, sounds I like you're a not walled to garden. That. Yeah, that sounds a bit crazy, to be honest with you. Well, given it's taken many sure? years for this to finally become possible, um, where's the quote? I, I, I was speaking to Eugene Sandalenko, Tony will remember Eugene. He was on this podcast not uh, so long ago, and uh, since ScumVM is not an emulator and does not allow running any program or code, it has been allowed onto the store. That's the official line. So bear in mind, ScumVM is literally a lot of different engines which have been recreated. So you're basically just putting your data files for the game on there, and yeah, it's reading that problem. through the engine. I don't think there's any problem with it, with its emulation side, really. I can see them not being too upset about that these ah, days. They don't have emulators on the App Store. Well, it's not an emulator, is it, really? No, it's, exactly it's, that. And that's how they've got onto the App Store. It's apparently. just a big engine. It's just it's just it's just thirty game engines all compiled together, 
Um, but the question, the question was always to me, from, from in my mind, how you'd get the, those ROMs, the, you know, the, the, the original game data which you need to drop in on a PC. You drop it into a directory, and ScumVM goes, "Oh look, there's Broken Sword. Now we can play it because we can load its data files." It, the, there wouldn't have been any way to do that on iOS previously. There was in well, any it's way through legal. the web interface. Or oh, don't forget now, there's the Files app, so you could. Download one of your games, fully enough, Tony. You could go download the file and then open your files app. And the, from there, you can put it in the new ScumVM section okay. and run it that way. But that's only if you're downloading the game from like the ScumVM website, for example. If you've got a catalogue which you've amassed like I have over years, we've had the original CDs, you just extract the game files you need and then... You normally play them in ScumVM on your computer, but now you can drag exactly those same files for the iPad or Brilliant. iPhone version. And it's beautiful playing it on the iPad. Point and click adventures. When Broken Sword Reforged comes out, it's the iPad version I want. Carl. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm quite just surprised that that Apple would allow something like that because I know they've they've when you said it, I kind of expected it to say right here's the games library that it's going to ship with. Oh wait, no! You can buy extras by buying them from the the Apple Store, so that they can take their little cut. But no, that's surprising. Actually, I've never seen. It's interesting because it's taken many years to achieve yeah. this, and even the news on the ScumVM website it was buried among. Here's the new version of ScumVM. Here's all the new game engines and things it features, and the games it now supports. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing: we're on the App Store. Or words to that effect. And that was it. And I just read that last line. I'm thinking, I wonder how many people have noticed that little yeah. bit at the end. That's really important news. If anything, that was probably the most important bit of news. So that was the bit I picked up on and posted. And that uh, probably that got me as many visits in a few days than I would normally get in a month. Yeah. So, so what's, it was the so mouse, surprise. what's the mouse emulator or mouse kind of experience like on it? Is it true? point and click or is it kind of like drag the cursor around with you you can literally press in the area but i found that a little bit clunky and i'm sure they will find it over time but you can yeah. switch the control method so as you drag you can actually see the pointer around where you are and just move it around which is what i actually could, preferred you can you can you can run an ipad with a mouse anyway can't you know you can indeed that i haven't tested and if you've got an ipad with the keyboard case type thing you usually have a little trap pad i haven't tried that yet either i was too shocked the fact it was actually out on the ipad yeah. <laughs> yeah nice i might try that yes you should uh read pixelrefresh.com yeah. you'd see the guide you'd see the news it's highly recommended the co-host of the game and gadget podcast you know is really worth listening to as well so yeah that was quite big news for scum vm carl you wanted to show us something oh okay oh yeah shit uh, sorry pardon me um there we go that's just uh, there you go. That kind of gives you the idea of it running in four by three. That's um, I don't, can't quite see it because of the. Um, so that's uh, Amiga Game Selector, which essentially is like a um, uh, kind of like a front end to all of the WHD load um, games and apps um, available. Um, so yeah, you can see. I mean, even something like that, even though it is slightly wide. One thing that I found certainly with the smaller um, emulation machines like the some of the Ambernic and more kind of the uh, the Game Boy form factor ones is that because they're so close together you end up hunched over them and it's never it's not always the most comfortable experience when you're hunched over with your arms 
across it just doesn't feel natural so yeah with certainly with these because you've got that kind of more relaxed gaming position it's quite nice actually and then obviously you've got your analog sticks as well which then opens it up for kind of like playstation games and stuff but yeah certainly well worth a look so they're not they're not cheap but they're nuts yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah. isn't it? You can yeah. go from about the forty pound mark and get a decent experience. I think for yes, money, yeah. the Ambinics were the ones I've experienced are very decent for that price. Yeah, but then of course it's like anything. You move up in the scale, you get more features. Your biggest yeah. yeah. are now available. Oh, yeah, and definitely. original hardware is great. I love original hardware. I've got quite a bit of original hardware now. Certainly nothing in the numbers that Carl has in his selection. But, you know, I've got a nice little collection going. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact I've got the Acorn Archimedes A3010, which are quite hard to find these days. In, and that's got a GoTech drive. It actually came with one pre-fitted, which would have been quite a pain to sort out myself. But, uh, yeah, there's lots of options. But you've mentioned the A500 Mini, which seemed to do pretty well. And I think they're actually doing a full-size version of it. So it would be an A500 emulated, but with a full-size Amiga yeah. keyboard and all the other bits yeah. and bobs, you would hope, like, which they did with the Commodore. There was the C64 yes, mini, yeah, and then that yeah, had a full yeah. size, I think it was the C64 Max, was it? Yes, yeah. They've just released the um, Amstrad, is it the, uh, sorry, Atari, is it 400? Or at least certainly. Um, so the Atari yeah. 2600 has got like this big thing where you can actually plug in real cartridges and then now there's going to be an a atari 400, 400 yeah, minute thing. yeah not the one i would have gone for i preferred the no. 5xc if we were going into the 8-bit realms of atari but uh, yeah again it's opening up the market to these possibilities mm-hmm. and for a lot of people who remember those times but not as quite as invested as we are where we would spend hours just researching and getting yeah, how to get the it. best out of it what cables to get how to connect this, blah, 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 blah. How to fix that? What capacitors do I need? What should I replace first? Is the battery yeah. going to leak and kill the motherboard? Whatever it may be, that's probably for us. But I think for most people, they just want one of these minis that can... Yeah. What? I want to play cannon fodder. Great. Exactly. Here's the Amiga 500 Plug and play, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably for 95% of the audience of these kind of things, and like a mini console is, is really what they need. And I know it's sad to say, I mean, and I think that's why the, the certainly now as us kind of oldies are starting to die off, um, as I say, the, the kind of the market and the kind of the appeal of a lot of the old hardware um, is going to go down, to be honest with you. Um, and as I say, say, a lot of people come and say, oh, I want to buy an Amiga, which Amiga, and by the time I've spoke to them, I've kind of, I'm not selling them anything. They've gone out and buy an Amiga Mini, and I'm like, oh, okay, shot myself in the foot a little bit there. But the thing is, it's right. Is it just most people just want an easy experience that takes the barriers away of of kind of playing the old games that they remember. Um, I say the, the 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 Amiga Mini is certainly great for that, but there is a little bit of technical knowledge that if people want to add games to it, they've not really made it that easy to do. I mean. You have to download the WHD load versions and kind of get all your memory cut, uh, get the memory stick right, which has been really nice thing that um, Amiga Game Select has done. But again, there's still that barrier. You've still got to download it from a torrent and kind of install it, make sure all the Kickstart ROMs and everything like that are all in place. So yeah, there's 
I think I think there's no easy way to do it. And then I say, then even buying one of these the, the little Ambernic devices that come preloaded, there's still I say there's still that option to tinker, but it is more of a turnkey solution, I guess. Yeah, pick up and play, hopefully. Yeah. Which if you yeah. buy old hardware, not really, <laughs> not yeah. really at all. Now, Tony, last podcast we spoke about you were shipping a Steam Deck to Ukraine, which was more complicated then maybe we even realise. What is the latest news on that? Is it made its way there or is it in limbo? Yeah, I can't remember what we said, but uh, the problem was, I mean, no couriers will will, will take uh, stuff with batteries these days, um, as I found out the, the hard way. And very few couriers are, uh, further still are going going into Ukraine, even though it's, you know, and, well, you, can't, you have to go via Poland, and then it goes like across land into, into, into Ukraine. So uh, anyway, I've, but the post office, uh, the Royal Mail, they, they're now they've opened up to so you, you can go Royal Mail to to Ukraine no problem at all. But you know you look at their website and there's there's two pages basically or, or several pages and one of them says you read it and you go well that's kind of saying no to a Steam Deck that's got a battery in it and, and they're, they're quite clear. But then there's another page somewhere else that kind of you, you look at it and you go well that kind of says slightly different. So I thought I'll just try just chance it. So anyway, uh, we sent this thing, Royal, Royal Mail to Ukraine, uh, and it kind of went, you know, you watch the tracking going outwards as opposed to inwards. Um, it's just as exciting uh, uh, watching for those updates. So anyway, it goes, it sits in a processing center at Sheffield for a while, and then it goes off, and, and it actually, then it, it, it appeared to take off. So that was, and then it must have left the country that's, that's that's the hard bit done or at least one of the hard bits done so they actually accepted it so that was good and then it disappeared for quite a while and then and then it popped up and presumably it was in poland and then it popped up in ukrainian customs where it sat for the best part of three weeks <laughs> and and you know i mean yeah I mean, Ukraine has has it has two postal systems based. There's one called Nova Posta, which is a private post office, which is the best thing ever. It's just it's just brilliant. I mean, you know, if they if they said they were going to set up in the UK, we'd, we'd we'd celebrate. It's such a good service, you know. Um, just very quickly, if you if you're sat in in Ukraine, okay, and you've got in your hand, say, a wine glass, and, and you're in one city, say you're in Lviv, right, and you say, I want to send this to my friend in Kiev. Uh, and you could literally get walk to a Nova Posta, which they're on every high street, hand them the glass and say, I want to send that to this address. And they go, okay. And they'll wrap it up for you, right? Package it, send it, and it'll cost you like 20p or something, you know. The next day, it'll turn up in Kiev. And like, it's the best service ever. But the other one, there's, there's the national one, the uh, Ukraine Post, um, which which is a bit more shaky and Soviet. And, and maybe things occasionally never get there. It, it, there's always a sense that that might happen. So anyway, something with this is a Steam Deck, and and a certain amount of value could could have could have gone astray. But anyway, it it, it did eventually. It came out of customs with a big with a big hundred dollar charge on it, and um, turned up in Kiev and about a week ago. So yeah, it took a while, but it's it's there now. So the person who was meant to have it now has it. Uh, my friend Ruslan has his Steam Deck, and he's going to help me get Wormhole Dungeon building for the Steam Deck. So that's good. Well, that's fantastic news. Well done on achieving yeah. the most impossible by the sound of it. So, what was the hundred dollar charge for? Just customs. 
does customs. They didn't say, hey, there's a battery in this, mate. Hundred dollars. Hundred dollars for this battery. No, they didn't. It was just it was just what what you would expect. There's quite a lot of duty on um, certain types of things. Wow. Oh, well done. There you go. So um, your game could soon appear on a Steam Deck. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a we'll do a Steam Deck build, um, which which would be very good for demoing it because I'm gonna I'm gonna take it around to people I know and let them play it soon and see what they say. Steam Deck would be a great way to do that. And so, yeah, other platforms you're looking at as well, weren't they? Well, the Dreamcast was one. Dreamcast we might do, yeah. That, that should be quite easy, um, in theory. I've got like three three other things sat under my desk waiting to do that. Um, actually, one of those I'll have to send to Ukraine as well. But that should be all right because <laughs> there's no battery in there. No battery, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Russell, he'll help me with that as well if we, if we do that. But that's, that's further down the line. But Fantastic. Amiga, fancy doing Amiga as well. Um, actually, Carl, here's a question for you: Can is is, is no one making a, a new Amiga? Can can you not buy a, an Amiga that's 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 like fresh circuit board that's not FPGA? There's an emulator. You look at Amiga. You look at Amiga Addict magazine. Yeah, and there are adverts in there for things that look like. They must be a new. They must be an Amiga. They're like Super Amigas. They're selling them as like with yeah. the best. I can all yeah. the rest of it. They well, look, they look to me like. Hold they up. look like. Let me <laughs> let me reach across right, and, yeah. and grab something else. So um yeah there is um let me show you so and as I say this was born from the issues with as um as James quite rightly pointed out with the um the batteries uh, leaking on a um. On the Amiga 500 plus, on the Amiga 500 pluses. So this is um, probably one of the most custom machines that you'll probably see. So that is um, a Amiga 500 plus plus. Um, so essentially, um, there's a guy called Rob, um, and I got this off his um, store on Tindy, um, and essentially it's a reproduction. Um, Amiga 500 plus motherboard. Um, but again, obviously it's great having that, but you need the custom chips for it. So, um, but the thing is, there's a lot of work still going on right now. So that quite a large proportion of the custom chips, um, have been re, um, kind of re-released, um, with FPGA solutions and other bits and bobs so that it isn't kind of, it isn't dependent on having those custom chips anymore. Um, I say with this one, I mean, it did have a Pi storm in it. So that essentially would take the, um, the CPU away for, from it. This has got the, um, uh, HDMI to, uh, uh sorry, this has got the RGB to HDMI adapter in it, but I say you still need the, um, the Denise chip in it as well. Um, and again, that's got a GoTech with like an internal screen and stuff. Um, so I mean, most of it is is new, but there still are some things that you need for it. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I, I saw a thing, and it was like a little square box. And I should I should have I've got I've got an Amiga. Was it? It's a little tiny. No, it's a little tiny thing, and it's it's got a funny name. Uh, I should. I, I think if if I remember, was it something by um, Amikit? Um, I'm just trying to think what it would be. Um, but I say this, yeah. I mean, there's 
I think that one of the things with the Amiga community right, is right now is that kind of, um, I mean, there's a massive resurgence in, in kind of products and stuff like that that's been released. And I think a lot of that is off the back of, um, as you say, from COVID. Um, and I say there's so much going on. The community is pretty, pretty buoyant in the UK. You've got things like the Kickstart, the new Kickstart events that have been, um, um, well, there was a first one, there's a second one this year as well. And there's so many kind of new Amiga user groups popping up as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But as I say, it's, I don't, I don't really know. Certainly at the minute, that there's really the appetite for for kind of a new Amiga as such. I think that so much of kind of like um, all the software and everything like that. If if something strays too far away, nothing's going to run. Um, and I, th- I think the thing that a lot of people, why a lot of people are still now coming back to Amiga and kind of. Um, other retro systems in general is that obviously they've got the nostalgia for it. So if you were to say, right, here's a, a new new Amiga for 2024, people are just going to go, that's nice. Yeah. But does it I, play cannon fodder? So I don't necessarily mean uh, like a, a Super Amiga with a better spec, although I'm sure that's what I saw advertised. Um, but I, I, I mean, what I would like is is to buy a a, a smaller little board like a spectrum next board that's that's an amiga 1200 basically with the hdmi port on it yeah i mean like things like the minimig like like this i mean this will do it 100 percent, but obviously it's fpga um yeah and that's so, great I don't care about yeah that. i mean it's absolutely great i mean this is as close to an original amiga experience as you're going to get without having original hardware i mean even to the point where it's got like jail bars on the on the screen i mean it really is like 100 percent. it's it's a beautiful experience um and how much is that roughly oh um i think for a lot of the fpga solutions i don't think you're talking for a lot a lot of change for about 300 pounds new um i was quite lucky to secure this off ebay um a little while ago um and it certainly wasn't that but again they're really really they can they can get expensive real quickly um, especially like with all the add-on boards and stuff like that that you need um, on them as well. I think I think these go for anywhere between like 150 to 200 quid. But yeah, um, I mean, I think if you were looking for a, for a true Amiga experience, especially like if you're looking at the development side of it, um, then yeah, that's perfect. But I'm um, I'm quite lucky to know quite a lot of the um, Amiga development community, um, and essentially. They still just use emulation, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and as the beauty of it is, is that I've been quite lucky in the fact that I do have a few Amigas kicking around that I've been able to help with, like beer testing and stuff like that. And say finding issues that somebody without real hardware would would possibly find. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to do you're going to do a day's development or a week's development on a, on a on a Mac or windows or whatever and then you know yeah. it, it it pays in, in my experience to once in a while run off a copy and run it on the real thing and see yeah. what happens you know yeah and, and, then, and not to leave that too long between no. you know but i've i've not got i mean this is a tiny flat um there's there's no space on my desk for an amiga 1200 definitely yeah yeah which brings me to this is very important carl Maybe you can help me here, or you'll probably end up helping Tony more. In terms of the ownership of Amiga, to get a broader base to be able to run Tony's game, to get the biggest audience share, 
I would say the A500 is going to be the way to go. But Tony seems quite insistent that the A1200, the more powerful of the two, is probably going well, to be the better. Here we go. Go on, Tony. <laughs> as, well, as a developer, I mean, the, 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 the lower chipsets are a nightmare. So, you, I mean, you just, I mean, if you can, you just, and, and I said, the games that I've seen, new games, they're often AGA chipset because yeah. it's just the graphics look good uh full full color and all the rest of it and and the memory the memory maps more sensible and all the rest of it so you know having back in the day having to support the different chipsets was a nightmare so i don't know I, i've just seen a few games come out uh you know um adrian adrian's games uh what's it dungeonette and the other one uh cyberpunk i mean his yeah his aga you know and, and i in some way did that and presumably he sold, he sold it all up. Yeah. It's done all right. So, you know, I, mean, I, I hated those other lesser chipsets back in the day. Uh, yeah. If you have to support them, then I will. But, but blind me, having to support, you know, when the graphics have got to be different format, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, there's been, I think the thing is recently is that, especially as better tools um, have evolved, um, and also as, as kind of a lot of the older devs are kind of like honing their skills with. Um, having kind of more resources on their um, on their doorstep. I mean, you've got things like um, I don't know if you have you seen Secondoid, um, which was a port um, uh, from a AAA um, game from Thalamus, um, which uh, Hoffman did, and um, running on a five hundred, it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, the particle effects and everything is is just amazing. Um, and there's been quite a few of them like that that have come out for for lower end um amigas that are just absolutely spectacular um yeah yeah i'm not saying i won't do it i mean i've yeah. not looked i've not looked into this at all i was just speculating really but i i remember in, in our steel sky days you know our biggest problem was the different chipsets so here we are 30 30 years later and thinking of getting back into it again you know what's you know if 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 the market is is split across chipsets still then then that's that's fine it, it can be it can be done you know yeah but, uh, i just i just noticed i mean a friend of mine you know he, he did aga only and did all right so maybe i was thinking is that the way it's done these days if it's not then fine you know and by the way, I'm being purely selfish here because I'm I'm an A500 owner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With no intention yeah, you, of getting you, the A1200 because those are quite a bit more expensive. Well, this I, I think that's a lot of the barrier is that kind of certainly for me is that you kind of if somebody just wants to experience a, an Amiga these days, you can pick up a, an Amiga 500 for on eBay for sometimes quite often less than a hundred quid, and they're pretty bomb proof. There's not an awful lot to go to go wrong with them okay you there might be some issues with like the um the keyboard membrane but i mean other than that i mean the, the, the floppy drive might be a bit rubbish so you'd have to um say proper go tech in it and you're pretty much away um the, the, the further up you go the more issues that you have i mean certainly with things like the 1200 you've got the caps that can go and they're just that bit more complex and also the the barrier to buying them could be be quite a lot as well i mean a, a, a decent sorted 1200 can set you back minimum of what like 500 quid and above and that's yeah, before no, you I'm, throw a, an accelerator in it so I'm, I'm i'm watching them on ebay and they're not cheap are they no no so it's um yeah james needs to win the lottery for that yeah one. <laughs> it's a difficult one to say it's um but the thing is i think that that certainly the people that would want to buy new amiga games certainly wouldn't have wouldn't worry too much if they've got to emulate it 
to play it because things like WinUE are, are, are so good these days that it's not not so much of a problem. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and presumably, and, and it will play on the, the the mini thing as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no. I mean, and say even things like um, some of the new releases. There's a, a developer Nivrig that I'm um, quite good friends with, and I say he specifically has tested his games with the Amiga Mini, so to 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 make sure. Um, that they will work because I say there's such a such a, a big market now um, within the Amiga community for the for the Mini, um, and I say it just opens it up because obviously the Mini will do will do AGA. So um, it's yeah, there's a lot out there, but I mean, what you target, I don't know, is it's a difficult yeah, it's just, one. Well, it's, it's as difficult as it was. Well, no, it's not. It's it's slightly less difficult. No, it's like it's more. It, it wasn't difficult back in the day because you had no choice. It's, it's, yeah, I you mean, can it, make it now, but it kind of looks yeah. to me like that, that mini thing is he's he's almost a platform in its own right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and to say the wicked little machines. I say, just going back to the to um, the machine. Obviously, just one thing to take into consideration is that if you're going to kind of want to do a, a full featured game, is that there's kind of the options to get anything that's a hard disk installer on a um on a 500 might be a bit of a challenge um for a lot of people um obviously you could go down the line of multi-disc um which is great but as i say i think a lot of people for the bigger games obviously they've got like whd load um package for it which means that you're kind of then amiga 600 because it's easy to pop a hard disk in it or amiga 1200 um so, but I say if it's single floppy, um, which the last game I did poses for, challenges in itself. The so last, the last game I did for Amiga was fourteen discs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, it's um, yeah, it's uh, God, is an interesting. But the thing thing is as well is that I don't really know enough about Amiga development to uh, to kind of really. I- I didn't know anything. Add anything games. useful, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm tiptoeing back into it. You know, it's probably something for 2025. Yeah. I mean, certainly people like Nivrig um, and Hoffman, he does like a, a weekly, well, I'm not so sure he's doing it anymore, um, but he, he was doing like weekly, weekly development streams um, for the games that he was porting. So certainly when he was port, porting Secondoid, um, which was a lovely one. As I say, all the people that were involved in it and were beta testing in it, um, kind of had their name in lights in weird secret rooms and stuff. Um, it's amazing just to kind of see it happen live. And he did the same with his port of um, Metal Gear as well um, from the MSX. And um, yeah, really, really nice, really nice. Um, but no, it's some, um, yeah, I mean, it's something I'd, I'd love to do some kind of software development, but yeah, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. So why not, so, Tony? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we need? How much time do we need, Tony, to learn to become developers? Well, uh, it depends what you want to do. I mean, how, how oh, that's there's, that's there's a million ways into it. There's a lot of ways into it. Um, some things are harder than others, you know. There's a there's a lot of guys. I mean, I'm I'm quite close to the next community um, spectrum next, and that's actually, I mean, it, it it's 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 a good machine, and uh, in, and you can you can do it. It's quite powerful with its basic language and stuff, but there's a lot of people going, "Oh, I'm going to write a machine code game," and that's actually quite difficult. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like uh, it's 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 not like writing something in Lua on the on the on the PC, which is what I'm doing. 
uh, which is which is gloriously easy and simple. It's actually quite a lot more difficult. So you know, it all depends where you where you're coming from, really. And uh, you know, people buying themselves next and going right, I'm going to finally write that machine code game I, I want to do in the '80s. It's going to be real hard, <laughs> to say the least. Z80. I've done. I did it a little bit before Christmas as a, as a just a fun thing to do one day. And goodness me, assembly language. <laughs> it's 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 a lot harder than uh, what we're used to these days. I bet. I bet. I mean, it's... I mean, I know there's there's some options available for the Amiga, which is the the Scorpion engine, um, which there's been some real nice um, games that are being being produced in that in the minute. Um, and yeah, lovely, but. I think my, my biggest barrier is just time, of, uh, especially with having little ends and stuff. It's uh, it can be quite a challenge just to just to do the, all the other things that I want to do, let alone try and um, dedicate a portion of it to uh, game development. It, it would be hard to, to 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 do a retro thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when are we going to see a demo, Tony? Any ideas of Wormhole? Mm. Um, February. February. That's not far away. Okay, well, let's try and do a <laughs> on-screen display of wormhole of your demo. I think that should be important. Then we can talk about the development of it and how you've managed to get it. Because I saw you've been posting little snippets. Snippets, yeah. Yeah, on threads, which upset me. <laughs> <laughs> you've moved more conversational to threads now. You've moved away from Mastodon. How dare you? <laughs> Um, I'm, I mean, to be honest, Twitter still works the best of any of them, but... Um, oh, no. Don't, don't you, know, you mean X, formerly known as Twitter, which everyone has to refer to it as now? It's an act of defiance to call it Twitter, isn't it? Because one day it'll be Twitter again. Actually, you know, this, oh, this no. dark, the darkness will pass at some point. Uh, yeah, by them going bankrupt, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. And then someone will buy it. Okay. Know, I, I don't think, think anyone's going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll buy it for one pound. Okay, so it's yours. We're earning twenty million debt or something ridiculous. Um, but yeah. yes, uh, yeah. we very much look forward to seeing your game in action. And you've put snippets on threads, and it looks extremely impressive. And as I said in the comments on one of them, it, all the little effects and things, it looks almost retro in style. It's got that sort of feel, but it's done it in a like you have to see it basically so that's why i think we need to do a special video the idea is you you go back to the when when all that era ended and you just skip forward to now as if it never ended yeah that's where the game carries on i like that if that makes sense it doesn't really make sense but it's like it's like the it's like the amigas carried on it's like it's like if imagine amiga was the only platform and it kept being developed and what's an Amiga of 2024 in some sort of strange alternate universe. And that's, that's, that's what the game is. Okay. This is the best way to describe it for the kids today. You ready for this? It's not a very good way to describe it, but if you've seen the Marvels and the Marvel universe, and of course there was Thanos where he clicked his fingers and then half of the universe disappeared. Now imagine all the universe disappeared except for developers. (laughs) And then you come back and you're brought back to all this wonderful game information, but the hardware hasn't changed. Yeah, it's like, well, I suppose it's like Amigas never went away and there was like two more models. (laughs) I suppose that's a better way of... The A500 (laughs) plus plus. (laughs) It's the the A800 version of the game. 
Oh dear. Well, look, it's been fantastic talking to you both. Uh, we've definitely run out of time on this particular episode. Carl, you've definitely got to join us again in the future. We haven't even touched some of the modifications you can do and the repairs that you've had to do. So that'll be a wonderful topic to go through on the next one. And yeah. Tony, as ever, we follow your game progression and when the demo comes out, when the full game comes out, the Dreamcast version, the Amiga A500 version, yeah. which I'm still having <laughs> for. Didn't um, I say A800, James? Yeah. A800. Okay, well, ha- well, there's a story about the A600 somewhere in the myths. I think that was meant to be the A300. So it's just numbers, Tony. It's just numbers. But anyway, thanks to Tony. Thanks very much to Carl. And this is Game & Gadget Podcast number 33, and we will see you next time.